When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to this week's episode of the Vertical Podcast with JJ Reddick. This week we are joined by my teammate, Chris Paul. Let's get it. This episode of the Vertical Podcast with JJ Reddick is brought to you by the European Watch Company. Watches are a passion of mine. I would actually call watches an obsession of mine. One of the companies that I love and love to work with and am truly enthused to represent on this podcast is European Watch Company out of Boston, Massachusetts. When you're dealing with rare and important watches, you want to deal with a company you can trust and that represents the product accurately, which is why I love curating my collection with Joshua Ganji, the second generation family at European Watch Company. I love using the European Watch Company app for smartphones. The app is always up to date with the latest editions, including new, pre-owned, and vintage watches from all the top brands such as Patek Philippe, Rolex, Audemars Piguet, JLC, IWC, Elanga, and way more. With the latest updated inventory ready to be shipped FedEx overnight to your door. The best thing about my experience with Joshua is that you can easily sell or trade your watches by uploading a few photos of your watch through the sell or trade page. As many of you know, there always comes a time to trade your watch up for the next one. I was looking for an official watch sponsor for the podcast and I was thrilled when Joshua reached out to me for the position. There is literally no better fit for me. I've done five or six transactions with Joshua and they've been fantastic every time. Of course, remember to let Joshua know you are a friend of mine and you heard about European Watch Company through the JJ Reddick podcast to ensure he gives you the best deal possible. Contact Joshua directly to be sure you are well taken care of. His email is easy, joshua at europeanwatch.com and grab the app in the App Store or at europeanwatch.com. Whether you're an amateur collector or someone like myself who's addicted to watches, European Watch Company will have the watch for your budget. I am truly looking forward to my next purchase with Joshua. If you're looking for a trusted place to curate or liquidate your collection, look no further. European Watch Company is the place. Yahoo Sports presents The Vertical Podcast with J.J. Reddick. Powered by digital media. Find your voice. And now, your host, J.J. Reddick. Welcome back to The Vertical Podcast with J.J. Reddick. Really excited about this week's guest. Well, I'm always excited about our guests, but really excited. My guy, C.P., uh, was nice enough to join us for an hour conversation. We talk about a lot of different things, one of which is how much we hated each other when I played at Duke and Chris played at Wake. We also talk about legacy and where CP fits in that. And, of course, we have to talk about CP and the knock that he has not gotten out of the second round and how that affects his legacy. I always find that fascinating. It's a team sport. Lastly, we are going to talk a little bit about some of the social issues and, and conversations going on in America. Again, this is the third week in a row we've talked about that, but it is part of the national conversation right now. And CP3, of course, uh, given his leadership with the Players Association and the fact that he's from North Carolina, where there are protests going on right now, I think offers a very pertinent perspective on things. 
before we get to CP, I just want to say one more thing. Like, I don't know if this is conveyed in the conversation, but I really did not like Chris. Like, I, I, I did not like Chris. There's one story that I didn't tell when Chris and I had this conversation, and that story is, I don't know what year this was, but it was maybe 2008, 2009, 2010, somewhere around there. And it was at a USA basketball mini camp. And Chris Collins, who I've had on the podcast, Northwestern head coach and my assistant coach at Duke, he was helping Coach K as sort of like a, a workout guy with the USA basketball guys. And, and so he was working out the guards. And CP and him were, were jabbing back and forth playfully about Duke and Wake Forest. And um, I don't know, I guess my name came up and CP3 said, tell JJ he's a bum. And he didn't mean it in like a, a funny sort of tongue-in-cheek way. Like he, he meant it literally. And for some reason, given our history, like that really bothered me. And when I first signed with L.A., I wasn't sure how our relationship was going to be. Because of the history and because, you know, we're both wired a certain way. And CP and I hit it off immediately. It's crazy to say this because I, I know I've said this four or five times now on this podcast, but... The friendships that I've made in L.A. with my Clippers teammates are literally lifelong friendships, and and I'm so fortunate to have a friend like Chris, and I've said that about a few guys, Blake and DJ and Jamal, and I think everybody saw you know, last week with Matt how much I respect him and, and enjoy him, so uh, just very fortunate to have had great teammates here in L.A., and CP3 is, uh, is one of them. Let's get to my conversation with Chris. All right, we are now joined by my teammate, once again, another one of my teammates on the show, guy I've wanted to have on for a while, Chris Paul, CP3, a.k.a. The Point God. Chris, thanks for coming on the show. No problem, Bubs. Thanks for having me. Do you feel like this is long overdue? It definitely is. You know, for me, uh, being as, you know, I moved, so I get this nice ride into the facility now. (laughs) Your hour and a half ride from Calabasas. I've listened to just about every (laughs) podcast you have. I appreciate you listening, man. Uh, this is something that I've, I've looked forward to for a while. Uh, there's, a, there's a lot of good stuff that I want to touch on with you today. Uh, but I think it's important we, we start at the beginning, oh, uh, the beginning of our relationship. And you and I, our relationship <laughs> would go back to AAU. Yeah. Boo Williams tournament? Yeah. There when wasn't I, a relationship. I yeah. was just a young fan yeah. watching you and John Gilchrist oh, man. play against uh, Jay Gray. You was playing against Justin. Yeah. Jay Charlotte Gray. Royals. Yeah. Yeah. Jay Gray was killing. Yeah. You were too, but you didn't know me at the time. Right. I'd heard of the, was it the Kappa Magic? Kappa Magic. Yeah. That was your AU team. Yeah. I heard y- y'all were winning a bunch of tournaments. And then I, I think my senior year in high school is when I first heard, you know, about your name. And then obviously my freshman year at Duke, you know, you were a McDonald's All-American and, and became a national story when, when you had 61 in the game. But when you got to Wake... And I was I was at Duke. I was a year ahead of you. We we did not like each other. Oh, by no means. <laughs> I didn't like anything to do with you. Like I I would say we hated each other. Hate is a very strong word, and that is probably the correct word. Definitely the, the correct word. I didn't initially. So, the second time we played you guys, we played you guys at home on like a Saturday afternoon game. I think you guys had moved up to like the top five in the country. I think you were undefeated or one loss at the time, and we 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 got you guys that game. That so was we at Duke? At Duke. This is your yeah. freshman year. And then yeah. we come back later in the year, and y'all beat us. But in the first half, you guys were being a little physical with me. 
and over by we were being physical with you yeah or? and over by your bench <laughs> you just started mother effing me to my face and you were a little too close to my personal space and so I, I wouldn't call it a hit i wouldn't call it a slap you know, you know better than that but you i did put my hands on you you guys <laughs> you guys were full of yourselves uh you guys were smacking the floor every time we dribbled the ball up the court uh sean dockery yes remember? him duhan yeah. all that you know, we just really wasn't with all that. And, you know, I was a freshman, had been there watching the games the years before. And um, you know what it's like in the ACC. Like, you just trained to hate each other. You know, it was a lot different then. It was. But, uh, yeah, I didn't care for you running off all those screens and <laughs> making the threes and dancing. If they could see me right now, they see my hands <laughs> in the air twirling like you. And you had a lot more hair on your head at the time. And it was shaking. Yeah, I really wasn't with none of that. Yeah, it, it it wasn't good. It wasn't good. So I this incident that happened the second game of uh, of your freshman year and my sophomore year, I got a technical for it. I tried to pull up the YouTube clip earlier. Did I not I get could, a tech too? No, it was just one way. Well, that was good. I fouled out of the game. I had two points. My career low. Right. You had two in the game. Yeah, I had two points. Y'all beat us, and then y'all you know stormed the floor, whatever you did. Yeah. Um. But but later on that year, we were at the Jordan camp in Santa Barbara. And I was like, uh, you know what? I'm going to swallow my pride. I'm going to go talk to Chris. So I went over to you in, in the dorms, and I was like, hey, that man. Was Adam Morrison and all them guys, yeah, right? Adam Morrison, Santa David Barbara. Lee, yeah. And I, and I apologized to you. I said, CP, I'm sorry for putting my hands on you. Just the heat of the moment. And you kind of big-timed me because at that point you were, you were going to be a top-five pick, and you are like, yeah, whatever, dude. No, 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 because <laughs> I didn't go to the NBA then. No, it had to be the next summer. But th- th- there's projections for the next summer. You are now at the But top I still didn't pick. know I was going to go to the NBA then, Bubs. <clears throat> I still didn't know. Right. No, 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 no. Then my junior year, we played a home game. Actually, I, I, I had a, like a little Twitter thing earlier where I was like, ask me some questions on Twitter for CP3. Yeah. And, uh, and there were some really good questions. I really appreciated all the questions. But um, What's his name? One, one person wrote, could a team still rattle you by starting Patrick Davidson on you? Man, that's his name, right? Patrick Davidson. Patrick Davidson. We started, we started me and four walk-ons against Wake I'm glad, my junior I'm year. I'm glad we finally had to have a, got a chance to have that conversation because, you know, Coach K being the coach that he is, you know, and I, and I love Coach now, but you know that right there was – that was all bad. You, call, you called it thuggery, bad. I think, at one that, point. That was, <laughs> that was bogus. You know that. We started a guy, Patrick Davidson, who's a great guy. Is he? He's a great guy. Is he a great basketball player? Yeah, I think he's in Nashville now. Um, I think he's a chef or something. It wasn't Um, even senior night, and he started. No, he started, and uh, and he got into you physically. He had two fouls in like a minute and a half. Walking out there for the jump ball, he bumped into me. Yeah. You know what I mean? We, We had a specific strategy for that game. The thing I remember most about that game, you know, and I definitely, like, you know, I was, I used to be on one, definitely. Yeah. Still am at times, but yeah. it was really bad then. But um, the thing that I remember the most is how many minutes did he play? Did he even play a minute? A, a minute and a half, Who roughly, knows? He just roughly. came in to yeah. foul me and do all the nonsense. Pressure you full court. Yeah, all that good stuff. Yeah. When he came out of the game, mm-hmm. it was like you guys had won a national championship. Yeah. He got a hug from Coach. <laughs> <laughs> I think he hugged everyone. He got as a he standing ovation. The, he got a standing ovation. Yeah. And I was just like, man. You would think Duke is above this. But 
Anything for a win, I guess. Anything for a win. Desperate times call for desperate measures. We had, lo- we had lost two games in a row. It was the first time in like six years we had done that. So, you know, we, we, we're playing y'all. Y'all were a top 10 team. We didn't want to lose three in a row, man. It's Did not a good ever, look for us. You know what? This is a good fact check. We should check. We should check and see if he ever got in the game again <laughs> for the rest of that season. Can you confirm that? <laughs> Like an actual playing time? Ever, or go, there's a difference. I mean, at the end of the game when we're up 30 or 40, I'm sure he got he in the game. He still may not have gotten in. <laughs> oh he God. still may not have gotten in, Bubs. We should check. Let's All check right. and we'll, see. We'll, we'll check at some point. We'll check at some point. <laughs> then I just we, – we're going to continue down this path because then my rookie year – Oh, yeah. You got rookie of the year. Your, oh, your rookie God. year. Then I come in the next year. By now, you're CP3. You're going to be on the Olympic team, all that All stuff. Right. And my rookie year, we the first time we played y'all in Orlando, I was in a suit behind the bench, and you took time, yes, yes, uh, like during I did. the game, to walk over to the corner of the court to say something along the lines of, "I can, I can tell you exactly what I said." <laughs> what Oh, I couldn't wait for this opportunity because <laughs> we were actually about to run a high pick and roll, and I got, I was in the corner. Yeah, I was in the corner, and uh, might have been J.R. Smith, something about to run a pick and roll, and I remember turning around and saying, "You did." Times have changed. <laughs> Times have changed. We are no no longer at Duke and Wake. And yeah. I apologize for that too, but you now did, that I know you. About seven that, years later, I got an apology for oh, that man. one. You really hurt my feelings. You really know how to kick someone when they're down. <laughs> I hadn't dressed oh, in a game in two months, and you're really? just kicking me while I'm down. Man. But for all that you did while you were at Duke, you definitely probably deserved that one. I deserved my first two years in the NBA. There's no question in my mind that I did. You're listening to the Vertical Podcast with JJ Reddick. Peter King here, reminding you to subscribe and listen to all new and archived episodes of the MMQB Podcast with Peter King, as well as the MMQB Podcast with Albert Breer and the 10 Things MMQB Podcast. Chris, as NBA players, we're always in need of a quality suit, and I need to tell my listeners about Indochino. Indochino is reinventing men's fashion. You can customize the details you want, pick your lining, lapels, personal monogram, and more. There's 14 unique measurements that go into making a suit that fits you perfectly. You can't go wrong with the well-crafted 100% merino wool suit. Also, check out their made-to-measure dress shirts and men's accessories. Made-to-measure suits are now affordable and available to the masses thanks to Indochino. When you look good, you'll feel good, and you'll feel confident. Your look, your way. So here's the deal. The code is JJ, and there's a money-back guarantee. Today, my listeners get any premium suit for just $399. That's up to 50% off at Indochino.com when entering JJ at checkout. Plus, shipping is free. There's no reason not to try your first custom-made suit with a deal this good. And a suit classic from their premium collection will look good, feel good, and last. That's Indochino.com. Use the promo code JJ for any premium suit for just $399 and free shipping. Indochino, your look, your way. Now back to my conversation with Chris Paul. Well, fast forward to... Fast forward to now. You know, even, even fast forward to... The summer where the trade happened. Where I ended up here. Where you ended up yeah. here. Fast forward to that, and we don't have to go into all the crazy stuff that happened. Yeah. With, uh, I've rehashed it with Woj on here before, with, oh, with, okay. with Sterling. Yeah, yeah Deciding yeah, yeah. that he that, didn't want me anymore. That situation. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh, the phone call that I got from Doc, I'll never forget it. I was at in the bathroom upstairs 
at my at my other house and Doc was like, We got a chance to get JJ Reddick and look at what I said. I said, Doc, make yeah. it happen. He gave him the vote of confidence. <laughs> I said, make it happen. That's because you were one of those guys that I definitely hated to play against, but mm-hmm. would love to play with and look at us. It's funny how that works out because it, you you do I, I I still have guys where I'm like man I I really hate playing against that guy even guys that aren't at my position necessarily yeah uh, like Reggie Evans is a guy that I always hated playing against right. but if he was ever on my team oh my god I'd love he to was have, on my team before. I know yeah I, I would I, love to I have him, him on my team and I've always said that about KG yeah you know I've always said KG is one of my favorite players to ever play in the NBA and. Anybody who knows me knows why. My first three or four times I played against him, we both got double techs. But I always wanted to be on the same team with him. We, you and I, have have uh, quite a bit in common, I think. Uh, I mean, there's the sort of the obvious stuff, you know, being ACC guys and uh, being family men and all that stuff. But I think the way we're wired, too, I think is one of the reasons that we've been able to to have a friendship and I, I want to talk a little bit about that with you. Have you ever read the book, The Carrot Seed? No. You've never read the book, The Carrot never Seed? Never read that book. Okay. All right. So The Carrot Seed uh, was my favorite book when I was a child. It's a very simple book. It's like eight pages long. But in essence, a little boy plants a carrot seed. His mom, his dad, his brother, everybody comes up to him and says, hey, carrot seed's not going to grow. There's just no way it's going to come out of the, out of the ground. Little boy doesn't listen to him. Every day he goes over the carrot seed, he pulls the weeds, he, he pours some water. They still tell him, hey, it's not going to grow, it's not going to grow. And then one day, grow. carrot comes up, and the little boy walks away with the carrot. And the reason I, say, I, I use that example is because there's this memory that I have when we lost to Houston two years ago. Game seven, we're in the locker room. You and I had lockers next to each other, and... You know, everybody's upset. You're in tears, and you said something along the lines of, I can't believe I got to do everything again. I got to do my stretches. I got to eat right. I got to play, you know, do extra shots. I got to do extra conditioning just to get back to this point. It's like that repetitiveness, it's almost mundane. Right. Do you know what I'm saying? I know exactly what you're saying. But to be great, and I'm not, I'm not saying I'm on the level of you, but. But to be great, you almost have to love that yeah. part of the process. Yeah, that's, that's definitely part of the process, which is why when I broke my hand, I walked out of the arena in my uniform. And it's because, <laughs> like, Bubs, you know, we've been doing this long enough to know that we play for the playoffs and a shot at winning the whole thing, Yeah. right? And think about all the sacrifices that you make on a daily basis, uh, during the season, all the time, like you're, you're like me in the way that you're anal about, I got to do this, I got to yeah. do that, I got to do this. And it is part of the process. And I don't think uh, when stuff happens, like you don't love it. It's just like, I'm this close. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's you, like you want it so bad. You know what I mean? And uh, I don't know. I don't know. Like it's. But is it, I guess, is it hard then to repetitively do the same things over and over and they're not easy things to do because they do require a lot of discipline and a lot of perseverance is it is it hard to do those things over and over and not get that carrot that carrot that you're looking for that reward which for us is a, is an NBA championship oh it's tough but it you have no choice 
You know what I mean? If you really want it that bad. Have you ever been discouraged enough where you considered like, ah, maybe it's not worth it. Maybe I can take a little bit less. Hell no. Really? No. Heck no. I'm, I'm just not wired like yeah. that. Like I, I've said it for a long time. I hate to lose more than I like to win. You know what I mean? And I, I don't know if it makes sense at all, but it makes sense to me. Like some people win yeah. and like they celebrate. They be like, heck yeah, heck yeah, I won. But for me, I just hate to lose. I, I think there's, if you, if you are a winner, I think there's a normalcy to winning. Yeah. And I think that's why you hate losing so much is because there's an unsettling feeling that you yeah. have. Yeah, it's an incomplete feeling. And it's one of those things where, like you said, when you prepare for something, you expect to do it. So when you win, it's not a surprise. You know, and it's like, like I always say, like, you've been my teammate now. Like, I don't talk junk. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I may be a jerk. To the refs, maybe. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah, that's a whole other thing. But, you know what I'm saying? Like, to yeah. other guys on the court, like, I'm yeah. not a junk talker. Like, I don't yeah. talk junk and all that stuff like that. And it's because, like, if I do a move or I, I make a shot, I feel like I've trained and worked on it so much, I expect to do that. Like, no disrespect to that person, but I expect it to do that. For you, your preparation, and I had Blake on a few weeks ago, and Blake sort of is the same way. We have a few other guys on our team that prepare to play really on a daily basis, hourly basis. For you, when was that shift in your career where you really concentrated more on what you were putting in your body, getting your tissue work? Was it after your injury, did it take an injury to get you there, or was it just a natural process of maturation? No, it was probably actually when I got traded out here to L.A. Because even after my injury, uh, I always say I wouldn't change anything, you know what I mean? But if there's one thing that I could have changed, it would have been I would have took my rehab a lot more serious when I, when I did get injured. But um, you know, uh, especially at my position, shh. <laughs> no such thing as an off night. Yeah. So I, I feel like in order to compete and compete at the highest level at that position night in and night out, I got to prepare. I have to eat right. I have to train, stay sharp defensively and offensively. But um, I don't know, man. It's just this, this will to be the best. Like, I'll never forget, and I don't want to get off topic, but I'll never forget the night before I played Steve Nash my rookie year. We were in... Louisiana, we were in Baton Rouge because my rookie year, we played three games back in Louisiana. Yeah. And because of the hurricane, right. it was in Baton Rouge and not New Orleans. And the night before the game, I couldn't sleep because I wanted Steve Nash so bad. Like, I wanted to play against him so he bad. He was coming off an MVP, right? Uh, I think so. Five. Yeah, he I was think coming so. off MVP, yeah. His but, first MVP. But I literally, like, I couldn't sleep because when you're in college, I mean, when I was in college, uh, my college coaches used to like give me DVDs like with Steve Nash showing it, J Kid, AI, and all this stuff like that. And you know me, I'm competitive. I yeah. was like, he is nice, but uh, I want that action. <laughs> you know, so I never forget it. I think I had 19 or something like that in the third quarter or something like that. And I just remember like wanting him, wanting him. And now, as I've gotten older, <laughs> you know, in the league, now I sort of look at it's reversed. Young guys come in and they're I want CP. Man, all the time. All the time. So my mind works like that. So yeah. I think about how I was then. So now. Do you, do you feel like as you've gotten older, you've had to change your game at all? This was a, a frequently asked question on Twitter. You know, as, we, as we age, obviously, 
whatever athleticism we had in our early to mid twenties, that sort starts to wane. And obviously your, your mind is what is a huge part of what makes you great. But have you had to change how you play or the For way sure. you play? For sure. Uh, you know me, I live on IB. I live on like second spectrum and stuff like that. Like just watching film. Like I watch more film probably than anybody and it's cool for me to go back and look and see how I used to play. Like when I was in New Orleans, man, I used to be moving, you know, and I was so fast. I didn't have to have a mid range. I used yeah. to shoot a lot of layups and threes here and there, but I was just so fast. I was like a one man fast break. And then, um, my rookie year, my sec- my rookie year, I got undercut by Nick Collison, cracked my ribs. I used to be one of the league leaders in free throw attempts. Yeah. Then I was like, let me let me see what this mid range game talking about. <laughs> let me get, let me get into this area and stuff like that. So uh, I, I definitely have changed my game. Is there anything else in terms of your preparation as you've gotten older that you've changed? I know we we talked about it a little bit earlier, but I don't necessarily mean the physical preparation. I mean more the mental side of it. Um, yeah, one of the things that I'm still working on, and trust me, God's still working with me, is <laughs> the referee situation. <laughs> I, I click out during the games for sure, but uh, I'm, I'm a work in progress on that one. But um, I don't know. You know, some things I think change, AJ, and we don't even pay attention to it. You know what I mean? Like when you start having kids, yeah. like you start going to bed earlier and you don't even realize it. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? You start getting more rest. But on, on, the, on the basketball side of it, um, I don't know, the game changes a little bit. Your personnel changes I don't know. It's, I guess it's something I've talked about on here before, but it's just being able to be constantly adaptive yeah. to sort of the situation around you, uh, which is interesting that you would say that because I, I think from my experience, most of the really great players sort of make everyone adapt to them, if that makes sense, Yeah. and, and probably don't do as much adapting. But you're saying you actually do sort of adapt based on the team because I'm just from my perspective – and I talked with uh, Maverick Carter this summer about yeah. this, about sort of what makes you and LeBron great. And you can talk about the physical stuff, obviously, but what makes you guys great is that you're so smart and the way you think about the game and the way you see the game and the way you make adjustments within the game, that yeah. is part of your greatness. Yeah, but what I think for me is when I got with you, I never played with a player like you. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like for me, I've been running floppy since my rookie year. Floppy is an actual set for us. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like, seriously. Yeah. Yeah. So I would definitely say that I've learned some things, like watching how you and Blake played that two-man game. If you notice, was it last year? Or your last quarter, year, yeah. I started yeah. doing it even more. Yeah. You know, I, I've been so much having to come off ball screens and create shots for other people yeah. that, um, I mean, everything hasn't changed with my game. I'm still, you know, High pick and roll, <laughs> you know that's that's still my go-to. Or let yeah. me get the ball on the elbow or whatnot. Yeah. But I've definitely had to change certain things as far, and it's for the better. But within a game, because we've talked about this before, and this is something I find really interesting. But within a game, you're thinking about your teammates, which if like you're like we talk about this, and I'll, I'll knock myself a little bit, but I'm I'm more wired to be a scorer. Oh, so yeah. like we I, talk about it all the time I, I, when you come off floppy. <laughs> yeah. When you come off floppy, and my man helps off of you, and I'm like, Bubs, I'm right here waiting for this three, and you're like, Hey, Bubs, I'm, I'm, I'm you, looking to shoot it. That's because that's because every time I do kick it, you turn down the shot <laughs> occasionally. Yeah. Occasionally. 
No, I'll but shoot, so I'll but, shoot it this year. but I'm wired like a I'm I'm wired to be a scorer, I, I, and so like you know my mindset during the game is like I'm constantly hunting shots. Now I'm, that doesn't that doesn't mean I'm going to make the wrong play or if if I come off a floppy action and they hedge with the big yes I'm going to dump it down to DJ or Blake. But my mindset is that, and obviously I'm I'm worried about what the team's doing, I, right? You know, what, what's going on in the game in the course of the game? Like you're thinking about all those things. You have to manage all those things. But it it just seems to me like you're managing a lot of people as well within the game. Like you've said to me before, like you'll pull me over. I'll have, let's say eight quick points in the first quarter. And you'll pull me over and be like, Hey, yo, let's, let's try to get BG going. I mean, that's something that's crossing your mind many times throughout a game. It is. It is just because every team is different. You know, every, every team is different and you know, I'm coming to you till you miss a shot. And even if you <laughs> miss it, I'm probably coming back to you. Yeah. But, uh, you know, some people would say that's, you know, the gift and the curse about my game. But at the end of the day, it's who I am. You know what I mean? Like, I, I've i always had an ability to sort of pick and choose when I'm going to be aggressive, mm-hmm. when I'm yeah. going to score. And obviously, Doc has talked to me about it. And everybody's like, why don't you just come out and shoot from the get-go? Why don't you just be aggressive? Maybe that'll open up everything for everybody. But at the same time, also understand that, you know, you, you may need to get going. You know, Blake may need to get going. DJ may need to get a touch. So uh, it's tough, but I, I definitely do think about that because I guess me knowing myself and knowing what I'm capable of, I know if I get everybody off early, it may come back to me later. <laughs> <laughs> I read something uh, earlier this week about your recent trip to Springfield, Massachusetts to to visit the Hall of Fame. You went for this year's Hall of Fame you know, inauguration ceremony, you were presented with the Manny Jackson Award, which is, is has something to do with you being an awesome human, I guess. <laughs> but the article, Jackie McCollum over on ESPN wrote it, the article was talking a lot about sort of uh, just a realization you had while at, at the hall in terms of, uh, you know, the importance of it and, and sort of legacy. And, and I'm, I'm guessing somewhere along the line, you started to think about sort of where you fit in that legacy of basketball. You know, uh, it's funny, Bubs. I didn't ever think about where I fit in the legacy. That actually never crossed my mind, to tell you the truth. What got me emotional there at the Hall of Fame was I was with my family. Yeah. I was with my wife. I was with my brother, my sister-in-law, my parents. And I didn't have the kids with me. And I think that's what hit me in that when I walked around and I got a chance to look up and uh, I seen... Uh, Clarence Big House Gaines, uh, who was the head coach at Winston-Salem State University, actually used to come watch me in high school and stuff like that. And I seen all the history of the game. And were you over here when I was talking about the first game ever? Was you in the locker room no, last no, week? No. Sidebar, do you know what the first score of the very first basketball game ever was? 18-18. It is exactly wrong. <laughs> <laughs> it was one and nothing. Like, we all know the history of the peach basket or whatnot, yeah. but I never knew – that the peach basket, it wasn't cut out in the bottom. Yeah, initially. yeah, I, did, yeah I knew that. Yeah. yeah, so if someone scored, they had to use a ladder <laughs> <laughs> to go up and get it yeah. out. So walking around, seeing all of that stuff, it, it hit me. And not about my legacy. It just made me think about the life that I get a chance to live. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I was, I was like, man, if not for this game, I'm not on these private flights and in these nice hotel rooms. Yeah. And my family isn't able to enjoy the things that we enjoy you know so it really it really hit me while i was standing up there like 
all because of this game of basketball is gave us the opportunity to do this. But I, I feel like you've been, you've always been sort of grateful about the game, right? You oh. always have had the perspective that the game has been good to you oh, and your always, family. Always, always, I, I've always had that. But still, yeah. just being there and seeing, yeah. uh, and learning some more of the history of it. You know what I mean? It's but almost, you didn't think about where you fit in. No, not not one well, time. Not it, one it, time. I think I was I, I was I, excited about yeah. like being there with AI. Yeah. You know what I mean? And and even Yao and Shaq. Yeah. But uh, obviously more more so AI because I I got a chance to know him really well, and like as a kid, man, I had braids one time. I bet you didn't <laughs> know that, did you? I had braids when I was in high school, man. It's because because of AI. Like I, always I think I've say, actually seen a photo. Like I always say, man, people don't realize uh, Michael Jordan is Michael Jordan, and all the greats are have paved the way. But AI may have impacted the game, you know, more than anybody. When I talk about the culture, yeah, you know, you got a sleeve, bubs. I know. I you know, it's crazy. I I was I had that thought the other day. <laughs> I literally had that thought the other day. I was I was looking at something and oh, um, somebody sent me like the Sports Illustrated had like the book of basketball they released a few years yeah, ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was looking through it the other day, and I was I was in the '90s, and I was looking through, and I was like, man, no one had tattoos. And then you turn to 2000, and you start seeing more and more guys with tattoos, and then you get I, I can't remember the last year the book was like 2007 or 2008. Right. By that time, nearly everybody in the NBA yeah. has tattoos. AI was the guy, and I thought to myself, I probably wouldn't have a sleeve if it was for, it wasn't for AI. Yeah, you're you're a product of Allen Iverson, <laughs> but no, it's 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 for real. And I always say I'm the emotional one. You know, everybody in my family knows yeah. it. So even when I start thinking about my family and all that stuff like that, I can get emotional. So being there and being there with my family and and thinking about all us being together and thinking. In all actuality, the sole purpose of all of us getting a chance is this game. So at no point in time did you think to yourself, hey, you know what? I'm gonna be I'm gonna be here someday. I'm gonna you know, be here for my own inauguration someday. Here. I still got a lot of work to do. And I'm dead serious. I would tell you. No, I know I, that. I know I, you're I know the way I, you're wired, I, I, I but, joke, but you didn't think No, no, I didn't. I didn't think about it. Really? I didn't think about it while I was there. Until you just said that, I just thought to myself, like, damn, why didn't I think about that? But I, I was like I was more so like thinking about my kids need to see this yeah. because yeah. You know, Well I know I I, I know the way you are because you're I've talked about Jamal all the time on this this podcast being like obsessed with basketball and basketball being his drug, but I would put you sort of yeah. in, the, in the same category as Jamal because not in the same way you're not going to go play pickup 365 days a week at the local Y, but nah. but you are you are basketball obsessed. Basketball is such a big part of your life. So I could I could yeah. see where, you know, just just being in that atmosphere and, and seeing sort of the history of the game and, and putting everything in context would be an overwhelming experience. Yeah. So the first thing that I did while I was there after I was going – sent on a group check text to a few of my boys and was like, yo, have y'all been here? <laughs> I sent them a text. I was like, have y'all been to this basketball hall of fame? Cause I was like, you gotta, you gotta come see it. So do you think about your legacy at all? Do you, have you, have you begun to, to start to think about that and where you fit in amongst the great players, the at, great point guards? At times I do. I, at times, I, you're line, I say I don't because I'm I'm crazy competitive. Yeah. But for me, I got a one track mind. Yeah. And you already know what that is. That's here and now. 
that's here and now. Yeah. Like, I got a one-track mind, and that's to win a championship. Like, that's all I think about. Like, my wife, you can ask Jada, like, I, I'll be sitting at the house, like, just sitting there, and she'll be like, what you thinking about? <laughs> and she already know. Yeah. She already know. And, it, and it's, it's going to sound crazy, and yes, I'd be so happy uh, to have achieved that, but um, I would love to do it for our team and everybody that'll be involved, but even more so than me, and you know how I am about my family. Yeah. I want to win so bad for them. Yeah. No, like for real. Yeah. Like my family's so down for me. Like yeah. my mom, my dad, my wife, my brother. And when I think about the process, I don't think about just me. You know what I mean? I think about everybody that's along for the ride. Like uh, my chef, uh, song whether it's courtney candace carm all, all these different people i think i said this to y'all to uh two years ago when we had our, our pre-playoff dinner at mastro's and and dj recounted the story on the podcast but i think when you think about winning you obviously think about in a team sport you think about winning because it, it's important for yourself you know you you want that label nba champion you want to be known as a winner. But to me, it's more important exactly what you're saying in, in that it, it's really more about the other people, whether it's your teammates or whether your family, like your dad, whatever it may be, and sort of the the impact that it has on them and doing something together. Because I, I also know for you, like <clears throat> you have so many people in your life that help you. That you have you your team extends outside of sort of the Clippers, right? It, it does, right? No, question. and so to win would be as important to them as it would be to say me. No question. As your teammate, like like for us, um, and especially our team because we've been through so much. Yeah, um, it would be unbelievable um, to think about where we started and, and where we are now. But um, there was once upon a time, not going to lie, where I used to actually care what people said. <laughs> you know, I used to be like, man, are they saying that about me? Yeah. I was like, what? I will fry him. I yeah. would do, you know what I mean? Yeah. But I've, I've gotten past that. And I'm so happy for it. But I, I've gotten past that. And it's literally about winning. And it's about winning it for us. So when someone says that CP hasn't been out of the second round and hasn't advanced the conference finals. I'd be finals. like, you're damn right. That doesn't bother you? Well, it bothers me. It, I know it bothers you. You're right. saying that it doesn't bother you that someone's saying No, that. no, 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 but no, it, no. Obviously, but does Once that, upon a time, yeah, yeah, but no, not now. But does that, has that now, you're, you're going into year 12, you're a year ahead of me, yeah, so year 12, right. is that now become a burden at all? Like, no. is that something where, all right, it's weighing on me now, like I've only got so many chances left? That's not to get weird. out of the second round. That, that's not weighing on me. It's just the simple fact that, because my thing is like, do you do you get past the second round and be like, Whew, that's, <laughs> that's it, that's it. Now Where'd I get labeled a conference finalist. Right, right, right. Like for for me is to win a championship. Yeah. Like I feel like I've been able to do the all star thing, um, the first teams and all that stuff like that. Like I I want to win a championship. Like I want that feeling. Like. You know, we we pay attention. Like we see what it's like, and um, it's it's a feeling. little sickening every summer yeah. to watch other people celebrate. It's it it's is. sickening. It's it's hard to watch. It's hard to watch. Bubs, you have no clue. 
it's hard to watch. You you have no clue. But at the end of the day, I'm not gonna stop working. You know, I'm not gonna stop yeah. working and and, tr- and and trying to get there. And the other thing too is I always think about one of our first workouts together. We were here at the facility and we was running sixes. Mm-hmm. You remember we was running yeah. sixes and the, the, we, it, it was when we still had a quote unquote conditioning test yep. and we would run six sixes. So so for the listeners, a six is six lengths of the court. Guards, I think you got to run it in 32 seconds. Bigs, I think 33 or 34 seconds. And then you get a minute break in between each six. Yeah, and I think we had ran four sixes or something like that, four or five sixes. And, well, we ran four, and then Rich said, if you guys make the time in this fifth one, then we don't have to do the sixth one. Yeah. And we've made the fifth one, and i never forget you being right there saying, no, we're going to run another one. It's like no shortcuts. Yeah. i never forget it. Like you said, no shortcuts. And – um, you probably don't even know. I like. I remember that. Like that's <laughs> yeah. something that no, always stuck with me. I'm too. getting goosebumps right yeah, now. Yeah. Because like for me, like when you talked about enjoying the process and stuff like that, you get to a point where you're not competing against somebody else. Yeah. You're competing against yourself. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I think about that yeah. every time we work out, every yeah. time we train or whatnot. It's like I'm trying to be better than I was yesterday. You know what I mean? And it don't matter if somebody in here watching or not or whatnot because. I know how how hard I've trained. And then when we come together as a team, it's like we know how much work we put in. That's why I feel like when you do win it, yeah, it's got to be a hell of a feeling. This is the Vertical Podcast with J.J. Reddick. CP, hold on a second. I have to tell my listeners about Outdoor Voices. Outdoor Voices is the active wear apparel brand for the guy who believes he could definitely nail an NBA 3 first try, for the guy who catches a foul ball without dropping his beer, for the guy whose last mile is faster than his first mile, and who every four summers convinces himself his Olympic dreams aren't quite extinguished just yet. It's the active wear apparel for the guy who's still got it. They've sourced the best technical fabrics in the world to produce streamlined gear that's built to last, from the first sweat to the final whistle. Plus, it looks great without trying. It's called Technical Apparel for Recreation, top-notch activewear made for everything from trotting the bases at Beer League Softball to pushing the last miles of your next half marathon. You already get free domestic shipping and returns, but we'll sweeten the deal. Go to OutdoorVoices.com JJ, and Outdoor Voices will give you 15% off your first purchase with the coupon code JJ. That's OutdoorVoices.com slash JJ and enter coupon code JJ at checkout for 15% off your new favorite high-quality activewear. Let's get back to my conversation with Chris. We have uh, several new coaches on our staff this year, and it's really interesting because, you know, we, we just go about our, our work. We just do our work. Right. And I don't really think anything of it. I just It's my job. Right. I enjoy doing it. Right. I work. And it's interesting to me because we've had – I, now two or three coaches this summer, two, two or three of the new coaches this summer, and they've said to me, this is the most professional, hardworking team I've ever – I mean, it's September. Right. And he, this is the most professional, hardworking team I've been around. All you guys just want to be in the gym working on your craft. Yeah. Man, those are the people I want to play with. No question, because we love it. Ain't no, we, like, we know that about each other, too, and we all going to push each other, but we got to put it together. I know. I know. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I, one more thing about personal legacy – yeah. In the context of a team sport, do you do you think it's fair that and really it's it's in the NBA? I think maybe because I'm of course have a bias, but I think it's in the NBA more than other sports because the the star is such a vital piece that when a star doesn't win a championship, 
he gets sort of unfairly labeled. He gets put into a category. Oh, he he can't be in the greatest of all time conversation unless he's won a championship in a sport that requires teammates. Right. But also, I'm just going to say it, an incredible right. amount of luck. Whatever yeah. you define luck, however you want it, but it is. Yeah, you should have went and played tennis or golf or something, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> no, uh, I think I don't know. Like I, I've been in a barber shop. I've been everywhere. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like. It's conversation. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and that's part of it because when you do win it, you know, everybody talks about how good you were, you know, yeah. as a star. And one thing that I've learned in being a quarterback when I was a foot played football and being a point guard is that you got to take the good with the good yeah. and you take the bad with the bad. You know, and if you can't handle it, then so you, tough luck. So You're okay shouldering. I don't want to say the blame because I don't think you've ever been blamed at any point in your career. I'm not saying the blame, but – you're okay sort of shouldering that burden. No question, because that's part of the responsibility in being the leader. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because, like you said, if you win it, they're going to be like, the stars did it for them. So when yeah. you don't, I mean, it's part of it. But the toughest part is can you take it? That's the toughest part. And I've been lucky enough to have, like I always talk about my team, my wife. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I'll tell you situation, Bubs. That game five... Yeah, I was, gonna, I was just going to ask you about this. Game five at Oklahoma City might have been one of the toughest losses for me ever in my career. Ain't no, ain't no secret. Um, I'll never forget it. Uh, man, the locker room. It was a very solemn locker room. I, I felt so bad for you on the bus. I just remember <laughs> you coming on the bus and just I, – I just – it was it was a very, very sad moment. Of the yeah. three – since I've been here, because I know you guys had two disappointing losses to Memphis, or Memphis one year and then uh, San Antonio the next year. But the, in the three years and sort of these, you know, meltdowns or catastrophic things that have happened to our team, I'm, of course, being tongue-in-cheek there, but <laughs> which, which of the three were the toughest to deal with? The OKC loss, losing to Houston, being up 3-1 and losing that series, or, or last year dealing with the injuries? Hell, all of them. <laughs> all of them same. in a different way all of them same for me but that one at OKC was tough just because you know the flight home the ride to the plane and then when I got home you know that's the thing too like my wife like she she had to get up you know what I mean because I came in and I was hysterical you know what I mean but it's it's part of it it's part of it and like I say one of these days we win that thing. It's those those memories right there that's yeah. gonna gonna have me emotional all over again. The the you'll be flooded with th those memories and those emotions yeah. from the loss. Yeah, it's almost like it's it, there's this really powerful built up river. Yeah, and there's this fucking dam. It's just that it's, we just can't seem to break just, through. It's just part of this amazing and, book that we're trying to write, Bubs. That's what it is. We're just trying to put more chapters yeah. in it. Right? Yeah. Is that what it is? Yeah. Well, I thought, yeah. Whatever. Well, let's finish this damn book. <laughs> <laughs> we, got a, we got enough info for this book. Oh, my gosh. Uh, I was at a, this conference in um, Napa this year, and I had a chance to sit next to Lloyd Blankfein, who's the the CEO of Goldman Sachs. Right. And Goldman right up your alley. Right yeah, it was, alley. it was right up my alley. But uh, we, we, I got, it's incredibly enough, I don't know how this happened, but I got like 20 minutes of one-on-one -on -one time with him and uh, Goldman Sachs is is a constant target of, of sort of 
snickering and and haters and all that, whatever you want to call it. Right. And they take a lot of heat from a lot of different places, and and he's taken a lot of heat personally. And so I I kind of asked him about that, about being able to take it. Is there anything that can sort of mold you to be able to take it? And and specifically like the criticism. And you, you were just talking about, yeah, I can take it. I can shoulder it. And, and it was really interesting. He said, you can't prepare for it. You either can take it or you can't. And then you, f- you find out when it happens. When it happens, you find out, can I handle it or can I not handle it? And obviously he can handle it and you can handle it. And I think I can handle it. But a lot of people can't handle it. And I'm reading this book right now. You, you should read this book, Grit. Have you read the book, Grit? No. Angela Duckworth, uh, she's this like, incredibly bright, intelligent woman. Uh, she's a MacArthur fellow, but she's, she's a psychologist who, who did all these studies on sort of the, how people become successful. And her theory is that it's grit is, is sort of the most important determining factor of success and it's perseverance and passion. And, and so passion, sort of the, the mundane actions that we do repetitively over and over right. again, being in the gym, shooting shot after shot after yeah. shot. Uh, and then the second part of that is the perseverance part is where a lot of people when they fail they give up or they don't do it as, as they don't prepare as well the next time i i completely agree and you know for me like i always say it's the mental toughness aspect yeah. of it you know half the drills that i do when i'm out there shooting just like that five four oh, three yeah, two yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's the mental yeah. toughness aspect yeah. of it and for me you know i i think damn near everything is mental you know i used to tell you that about like uh, something would be hurting and they'd be like, here, take this or whatnot. And I'd be like, oh, that's a placebo. You know, it's just all in your mind. You know, so I, I completely agree. And then the other side of it too, and I know I keep on saying this, it, but it's also the people around you, Bubs. You know what I mean? Like if if something happens, right? And... Um, something happened means something disappointing happens. Yeah, if something setback, disappointing setback, happens, yeah. like a setback or something like that, or... Uh, if you don't play well or somebody's saying you're not good or something like that and you always got people around you who's like, man, hell with them. You know what I'm saying? Like, dang, dang. You know, you know what I'm saying? You got yes yes men or people like that that's just always going to tell you what you want to hear. Then you're going to be like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, seriously. Like, that's what I can say about my brother, like my older brother. Like, if I have a bad game, guess what? He gonna tell me, yeah. you know, and guess who else gonna tell me? Little Chris, <laughs> yeah, he, he he gonna tell me. But is your first thought when you have a bad game? Is it is it me or is it how do I deflect this somehow? Because <laughs> I have a bad no, I but bad I'm serious game? because I think a lot of I, no. I, I've played with guys who are really good who their first instinct is always to deflect and say ah the coach the coach did this or you know this guy should have made this shot. No. That's definitely not. And that's one of the things when you got to, like, be if you can take it. Yeah. <laughs> if you can take it. Because you know, bubs, like, when you're the leader or something like that, yeah. sometimes it might not be your fault, but you got to take it. Right. You know what I mean? So you got to you gotta be able to do that. And then my first thought, first of all, in a bad game is, did we win or did we lose? You know? Because yeah. sometimes, like, if, if you're okay with having a good game and y'all losing, then you're a loser. <laughs> you're a loser. And that happens in our league. <laughs> Am I right? Yeah. You know, some people are okay with dropping 30 or 40 and losing. There's some I, – I, I really believe this. There's some guys that are okay being on bad teams year after year as long as they can play their game and put up their numbers. Yeah, I ain't with it. I'm not, I'm not with it. I'm not – you know, 
I, if if you go out and get thirty and I have eight and we win, yeah, I'm cool. I'm cool, yeah. but it's just uh, it's it's a different mindset too. Cause I don't know when you've been in the league long enough and you don't know what it's like to win a championship and you haven't won, it's by any means necessary. Yeah, it's by any means necessary. Willing to try anything. You're listening to the Vertical Podcast with JJ Reddick. Chris, give me a minute to tell my listeners about SeatGeek. As a lot of you may know, buying tickets online for sports and concerts has been a confusing process for a long time. But SeatGeek is different. They've come along and created an amazing app and website that makes it easier than ever for fans to buy and sell tickets. I had the SeatGeek app on my phone, and I just used it the other day to look for tickets to see the Rams play. Everything about SeatGeek is designed to make life easier for sports and music fans. SeatGeek does all the price comparison for you by searching multiple ticket sites and ensuring that you get the best possible deal. And SeatGeek wants to help you get the most bang for your buck. That's why every ticket on SeatGeek is given a grade based on value. You'll immediately see any underpriced seats and be able to find the best deals that fit your budget. Best of all, my listeners get a $20 rebate off their first SeatGeek purchase. To get your $20 rebate on tickets, download the SeatGeek app, go to the Settings tab, and click Add a Promo Code. Enter promo code JJ. SeatGeek will send you $20 after you made your first ticket purchase. So download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code JJ today. All right, let's get back to CP3. You've mentioned leadership a few times. Uh, you're one of the, the best leaders we've had in our league Amongst other things, you're the you're the head of our our players association, but you've also begun to be a leader on social issues. And you and Mello and D Wade and LeBron made a statement at the ESPYS this year, which I thought was great. I, I'm curious how that all came together, and and you know who said let's do this? Was this a conversation? I know that you guys all have like a group chat together, but is this all a right. conversation that y'all had like? Hey, we need to do this. It needs to happen now. Let's go to ESPN. Let's 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 make it happen. We we talk about different stuff all the time, right? And uh, obviously, we go on a trip and stuff like that during the summer. But Mello posted uh, that picture. He posted on Instagram. He posted a message uh, talking about some of the social issues on it. And uh, in our group chat, uh, we started talking. It might have been Bron. I can't remember, but we talked about the ESPYS and saw it as a platform, saw it as an opportunity to to do this. And we got on a conference call, talked about it, ch- talked about the different things that each one of us wanted to say. Because when you're doing something like that, you don't want to all talk and say the same thing. So, you know, ESPN uh, allowed us to use that platform, and we did it. And I think the biggest thing for us was all about starting a conversation. Yeah. Starting a conversation, bringing awareness to it, and – uh, the part that blew my mind the most was that me and my wife went to the ESPYs. My kids were home with, yeah. with the sitter. And i never forget, like, sitting there at the ESPYs, and Melinda sent me and Jada a picture of little Chris watching it. Yeah. You know, I, I think actually you, posted you it. You posted it. Yeah, yeah, yeah I posted I it, that, and yeah. I got goosebumps because, you know, my kids could have been at home, you know. Watching, watching Umizumi. Umizumi Toy Story, <laughs> something like that. I yeah. don't know. They could have been watching. Blazing the Monster Machines. Yeah, yeah, but... <laughs> To know that yeah. he he sat there and watched yeah. that was pretty cool, but uh, crazy, crazy, all these different things that's happened. Yeah, so there's obviously a platform for us to sort of have our voices be heard. There's, of course, the people that say, uh, you know, athletes should just stick to sports and not right. say anything. There's 
Well, there's also people that just hate athletes just for no reason. <laughs> yeah. So right. that's a whole different thing. But right. but I think if we're in this position to do good and we have that opportunity, we should take advantage of it. Right. The, the, the thing that I think I struggle with is like, how do you go beyond the conversation? Do you know what I mean by that? I, like, I know what exactly. Kaepernick is doing, I think, is great. You can argue all you want about whether it's disrespectful of the flag. I don't really care. I think it's irrelevant. But what he's doing is great because he's starting a conversation. He's now gone beyond that in a way that, that he saw fit with his you know, donations to charities and, and hoping, hoping to do work in the community. But like, how do we go beyond just saying stuff? Bubs, I, I, I had this conversation uh, for a while now. And even I had my partner summit this past yeah. week. And at the end of it, we really just opened it up because I wanted to talk about it with all my brand partners and how can we really make a impact on all these social issues because the things that Colin Kaepernick are doing are amazing because it's continuing the conversation mm -hmm. continuing the conversation but I told them I said in all honesty I'm tired of talking about it like right. we, we really have to start to try to make change and um, I actually uh, called a few f close friends of mine and, and had some discussion with them I actually talked to uh, a former team teammate of mine David West we had a long talk uh, yesterday just talking about different ways to uh, actually make change because the conversation is is good and well, but at the end of the day, what I personally think is that we don't have the right people in the conversations. Yeah, like, that's a great like, point. The other thing with the conversation is you and I can have a conversation. At the end of the conversation, it doesn't necessarily mean you agree with what I'm saying or vice versa. It doesn't necessarily change my opinion. And if I was born and I learned racism, and that's how I grew up. And then you and I have a conversation that doesn't change. Then the, the, the point of the conversation really didn't do anything. Yeah. And what has to change is what is happening. Right. You know, I, the fact, the fact, yeah. You, you can't explain all of these these shootings. You know, you can't just say it's coincidence and all this stuff like that. Like the, the part that really stuck with me and hit home is how the bomber in New York, you know, came out, you know, unscathed. <laughs> Right. You know, but then you got a man here who's been shot and killed. And a lot of things is happening, happening right now. Uh, people want answers and stuff like that. Like this is going on in Charlotte, North Carolina. That's where right. my family is. Right. My family's there in North Carolina. But yeah. we have to protest peacefully wherever that is, you know, no matter where it is. But change has to happen. And then the conversations that I had, it has to start, start somewhere. It has to start somewhere. And for you having kids and me having kids, right now this is their normal. Yeah. Every day I wake up, me and my wife, we wake up to CNN, and every morning you don't know what you're going to see. And, yeah, it's crazy now, but if this continues to happen, what, what do you think it's going to be like for our kids? Look into a country that, that has uh, you know, not as much history of racism, and you look into a country that uh, maybe has better gun control laws, and you think about moving there. I'm being serious. No, I know. No, I'm being no, dead no serious. So Chelsea and I have already talked about this. I mean, it's not. we're not in the serious planning phase of it, but it's something that you, you have to consider. I mean, our country is, is great, don't get me wrong, and I think a lot of it is you, you can't say you're, you're, you're um, overreacting to what you're witnessing because right. what you're witnessing, these videos are so disturbing, you're not overreacting. But in the context, our country still has good qualities. Let's, let's not say America's terrible. Our country has problems, so we need to address those problems. I did an interview the other day, 
actually the day before this last incident happened. Uh, it may have been for Time. It may have been for Time magazine. They were asking me questions about why athletes are more comfortable speaking up now than they were before. And they were asking these questions and, and why do people pay a lot more attention. Uh, from my own personal ob observation, uh, guys are a lot more comfortable now and a lot more aware. Like in this world of social media and not, and yeah. phones and, and and Twitter and everything like that. Well, this is the thing that I thought about. Things like this have been happening for years. Yeah. But, but now, now we're all getting an opportunity to see it and, and form our own opinions. You know, it used to be this is what occurred and someone may write something up and this is what happened on paper, right? Like the, right? the, the Baton Rouge. Let's say the Baton Rouge shooting that happened recently, right? There was right. one in Baton Rouge, right. right? That may not have made it out of Louisiana. Right. And, and 20 my, years and, ago, and, 30 years and ago. And 20 years ago, what would have happened is the write-up would have been what we all thought happened. Mm -hmm. You know, he had this, he had that, or he didn't have this. But now we're getting an opportunity to see actual video of it. Yeah. You know, so when you see a guy standing there with nothing in his hand and all that stuff like that, now, you know, how, how do you expect people not to be upset and be mad? Because now you can't flip that story. I've got, I just want to say this, I've got a, a ton of respect for our military. I've got a ton of respect for law enforcement. I think law enforcement has an incredibly difficult job to do in any situation. We, we take this, you know, awareness classes every year right. where they bring in officers, you know, from local police departments. My uncle's or an officer, yeah. my mother-in-law. And, and the thing I, that always sticks out with me is when you're pulled over, and we get pulled over, is just to be as compliant as possible. Put your hands where they can. This is training that we have to go through. Yeah. And I had a situation a couple of years because, ago. Because, and, and, and the reason is because officers, and let's say it's at night, like officers, as they as they approach your car, they're some of them are, are scared shitless. They don't know what you have in that car. They don't know who's in that car. They don't know what's going on. So there are two sides. I'm just saying there are two sides to the story. But the, the, again, it goes back to what we've witnessed, the, right. the videos we've witnessed. It's it's pretty evident. Yeah, like we we all definitely have to do better, but uh, you know there may need to be more training and all that stuff. Like yeah. it's pretty it's pretty easy to become an officer, and let's let's not say that you know all officers are bad. Because like I said, I have family members who are officers, but at the same time, you know, like you're saying, uh, they got to be prepared and stuff like that when they like this, bubs. I'm with you. Yeah. This has been a great conversation. I really appreciate the time. I'll see you tomorrow no uh, at the gym. All right. No problem. Thanks for having me. Finally. Right. This was long overdue. I'm glad we got to hash out our Duke Quake Forest days. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Vertical Podcast with JJ Reddick. I'd really like to thank today's guest, Chris Paul. Remember to subscribe and listen to new and archived episodes wherever you listen to the podcast. And be sure to subscribe to the Vertical Podcast with Woj and the Vertical Podcast with Chris Mannix. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Play, and you can now hear the Vertical Podcast Network every weekday at 3 p.m. Eastern on Sirius XM Satellite Radio, on Sirius Channel 214, XM Channel 203, and on the Sirius XM app on Channel 967. My podcast airs on Sirius XM every Monday and Thursday, the Vertical Podcast with Chris Mannix every Tuesday, and the Vertical Podcast with Woj every Wednesday and Friday. Like always, you can tweet me at JJ Reddick for any questions and comments. 
And I'd really like to thank everyone who sent in comments for today's episode with Chris Paul. I'd also like to thank our sponsors, European Watch Company, Outdoor Voices, Indochino, and SeatGeek. Be sure to support them the way they support us here at the Vertical Podcast. I'll catch you next week. This has been a digital media production. Find your voice.